Out. All of you. Out. Two passengers alighted. James, looking pale and frightened, and another young man. He was well set, with a fresh, ruddy complexion, little above her brother's age, about four and twenty. He was in no hurry to get down from the coach and seemed neither worried nor discomforted by this interruption to his journey, and his self-assurance unnerved her. Sauvé trained her pistol on him as she ordered the two to part with their valuables and placed them in the saddlebag that she threw down to them. While James sprang to follow her instructions, the other one showed more reluctance, but soon she had divested both of their watches and their gold. Still, I want one thing more, she said, addressing James. That diamond ring that I see you wear. Hand it over, and your life I will spare. She could feel her hand shaking when before it had been steady. This was the test she had set for him. The ring had been given as an expression of true love in an exchange of tokens. He had sworn to die rather than part with it. If he gave it to her, then all the doubts she harboured, all the stories that she had heard about him, were true. James didn't hesitate. He was struggling to free the ring from his finger, spitting on his hand to work the band loose. She changed her aim, and her hand shook no more. She didn't need to make James beg and crawl, he was doing that of his own accord. He had fallen to his knees, squeezing tears from eyes shut tight in prayer, his clasped hands shaking in supplication. Hold your fire, highwayman, the fair young man said, as she pulled back the hammer. He took the ring from James and brought the bag over to her, slinging it in front of her saddle. She holstered one of her pistols, and he dropped the ring into her outstretched hand. The stone flashed in the sun. He has given you everything, the young man looked up at her. What more could you want from him? Small hands for a highwayman, he added, and smiled as if he knew her secret. He was quick. He read her intention in an instant. His eyes still on her, he threw up her arm as she squeezed the trigger. James screamed, but the shot missed. The horses reared and shied in their traces, so the driver had to struggle to stop them from breaking away and the coach from overturning. So they used the confusion to make her escape. She had business back at the house. Sauve suppressed a sigh of impatience as the painter bent to his painstaking work. She tried not to move, as she'd been instructed on numerous occasions, although she was afire with anticipation. She and James had an assignation at their usual trysting place in the garden. He would arrive, he might even be waiting for her now, with no idea that she was the highwayman who had stopped him on the road. Perhaps he wouldn't even refer to it, preferring to keep his recent humiliation to himself. Perhaps she would let him pretend for a time. Certainly she might do so, before she made a play of noticing the absence of the ring. The very thought of that made her tremble, and Jonathan Trenton gave a moo of impatience. 
How many times do I have to ask you? He said, without looking up from the tiny brush strokes he was making. Sauvé murmured an apology and stared out at the garden behind him. She had never wanted to sit for this likeness. It was entirely Papa's idea. He had also chosen the artist, a coming young man who had studied under the late Sir Joshua Reynolds. Papa liked to encourage artists early on in their careers. Sauvé disliked Trenton. His voice was high-pitched and whining, his manner fussy and overbearing. She sensed that the antipathy was mutual, although he said little to her except to scold. The portrait was almost finished, and he was glad of it. This was a good commission, and he'd been paid in advance, but he had to travel up from town to take her likeness, and these were dangerous times. Highwaymen proud.